welcome to Queers & Co, the podcast on self-empowerment, body liberation and activism for queer folks and allies. I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. I'm a transformational coach as well as creator of the Queers & Co zine and community. Hi, everyone. I can't believe we're on to the fifth episode already. That means we're already halfway through the first series. Woohoo! Um, if you haven't left us a rating or a review yet, please take a few minutes to do so because it really helps other people to know what to expect and also to build the number of people who are listening. Uh, you may notice that I sound a little bit different in the next few podcast recordings. I did them when I had a horrible cold and I didn't realise quite how bad it was until <laughs> I was talking um, to the first guest. So um, yeah, please excuse my strange sounding voice. Um, also, if you are around on Saturday the 29th of February, we're holding a Queers & Co dance afternoon in Hackney and it's essentially a space for um, just eight people, so a really nice small group, just to go and um, experience what it's like moving around in the space to different types of music. Uh, everyone's going to kind of put their own ideas in to create a playlist and uh, we're just going to spend three hours in the studio just messing around and seeing what it's like really. Um, It's inspired by the podcast with Charlotte Cooper where we um, talked a lot about learning what it's like to move um, your body in a space and um, yeah it's going to be a really like just chilled relaxed afternoon so if you are around it would be amazing if you want to come along you can find all the details in the queers and co facebook group which you should join anyway if you're not already a member and there are three spaces left so um just drop me a message if you'd like to come along we'd love to see you there so now on to this week's guest she is a non-binary trans woman of color and a london-based activist and event organizer She's active in the queer and leftist scenes, organising projects, delivering powerful speeches and generally helping out in any way she can. She also organises events in London specifically for queer, trans, kink and POC communities. I'm very excited to introduce the wonderful Hannah Rose. Hi Hannah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for taking part. Yeah, of course. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. So, um, for anyone who hasn't come across your work before, it'd be really great if you could introduce yourself and a bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm Hannah Rose. I'm um, John-born, London-based, um, Iraqi, trans, non-binary woman of colour, neurodivergent. I think that's all the intersectional- intersectionality, so it's a long list. <laughs> it's quite a struggle. <laughs> um <clears throat> And I do a lot of work in organizing activism and queer spaces here in London mm-hmm. and um, in some other places, like occasionally Berlin. And yeah, my goal here is, my goal in London right now is just to help the queer community as much as possible and bring as much positive political change about as I can. Yeah. And how did you get into um, being involved in activism? So um, it all started with By Pandas, actually. Um, So London by Pandas is this London-based group. They started off last year during Pride when Monroe, who's a quite prominent drag performer and used to be a DJ, I was like, hey, there's no bi, there's no proper bisexual representation, actual queer bisexual representation at Pride. Let's Mm. change that. And them and their partner, Max, they did so, so, so much work um, and to spend so much money on getting a float for Pride. Um, and it was just amazing. It was the most queer thing. The pictures from there were so amazing. We're going to do the same thing this year. Oh, awesome. So you'll see us around at Pride. 
And um, when Roe was looking on the Bipanis page, they were running a vigil for queer and specifically bisexual refugees. And I'm a queer refugee uh, and I'm a child of two refugees. Hmm. Um, and they were looking for speakers. And I didn't do too much public speaking before that. I used to do theater. Some used to talk to big crowds, but I never did much political speaking. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, sure. I'd like to do that. And I wrote something up. And I don't know why, but I think I just had like, I don't want to play myself up too much, but I think I just had a natural talent for writing speeches because it was honestly very, it was a very, very moving speech because obviously it's issues very much related to me. Made multiple people cry, which I think is a good, that's a good guideline on how good your speech was. (laughs) How many people did you make cry? Um, And people loved it. Max, especially, as I said, that speech was amazing. few LGSM lesbians and gays support the migrants. People were like, oh, yeah, you should speak more. And it kind of just escalated from there. Wow. Just joined more groups, um, got more opportunities to speak. People started actually knowing me and inviting me to things to speak there, like here. Um, And I just love it. Like, I just love preparing it. I just love putting all my heart and soul into speaking these words, into convincing people, into making people emotional mm. so it's really not long at all like it's not even a year since you've been doing that I didn't I, realize I moved to London four months ago oh really I thought you've yeah. been in London for much longer than that okay wow people usually say that <laughs> yeah okay so this is all really recent then yeah I'm very quiet. I'm very quick in everything. Yeah, very efficient, clearly. <laughs> Getting <laughs> well, it all <I'm> done. <laughs> <laughs> so how, I mean, what's that been like for you? Such a kind of rapid change and increase in um, just doing all this political work. So I am back in Germany. I did help out. I, I used to live in West Germany, not mm-hmm. Berlin, <laughs> um, in a town called Essen, if anyone. Oh, okay. Knows it. It's near Düsseldorf. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a 500,000 people town, so not too big. And I did work with the local um, LGBT groups there. We did a little thing for our pride parade, a little tiny float with a speaker. So I wasn't completely, um, I wasn't completely new to it exactly. Yeah. But my life did change a lot in like the last year. My political opinions. I don't want to say I used to have bad political opinions, but I did. <laughs> I think um, we all did at one point until yeah. we realised otherwise, right? So um, that's changed a lot. And mm. I've always been very, ad- I've always advocated a lot online. So in social media and chat groups, whatever, about my political stances. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of bringing it on paper and then bringing it out using my voice. And obviously the theatre actually helped quite in that because it's, doing speeches has a lot of similarities to acting. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to spoil for anyone what might be in your speech if they go and watch you. But I wonder um, if you could share maybe like the main themes that you talk about when you when you give speeches. Um, the last one I did was, um, some of you might have heard of it, it was quite, it made the news quite a bit. It was the three men in a dog wedding by lesbians and gays support the migrants. Uh-huh. So there was this um, Boris Johnson quote about let me pull up the full quote so I don't misquote him. <laughs> Would be a shame to misquote Boris. Oh, terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, the gist of it was um, Boris Johnson said that if we start letting same-sex couples get married, we might as well let three men and a dog get married. So it's <laughs> exactly what we did. Um, <laughs> I have heard of this. <laughs> the, we, got, um, we got a whole band to play 
um, wedding songs. We got a dog and a three guys, one wearing a Boris Johnson mask. <laughs> we got um, a pagan Satanist priest to commemorate the entire wedding. And we <laughs> wed those three men and a dog and then walked down um, Downing Street. Uh, we started at the Tory HQ and then marched down Downing Street, blocked the streets off there, and then did speeches there. So um, I did a speech there for LGSM, a bunch of other people from Bipandas 2 did speeches there. And that was basically about um, being trans mm-hmm. in this country um, and how it affects me, how the whole Brexit thing is affecting me. So it's talking about how hard it is to get hormones here, how hard it is, how the UK ignores my German trans diagnosis, how I might get kicked out of the country or not get hormones anymore after Brexit. Um, so it's always, because there aren't a lot of trans women around in mm. activism, sadly. Um, a few prominent ones are, obviously, a lot of people have heard about Lucia Blake, uh, Emily Crockett, two of them, they did Trans Pride, they do quite a lot of stuff. Um, but you don't see a lot of activists, you don't see a lot of trans women around in a lot of circles, sadly. Mm. So I always try and put that at the center front, the trans experience, and to talk about it and to educate people about it. Yeah. Because I think that's the most important thing right now because that's the most important thing I can do because there's just not enough trans voices out there. Mm. Yeah, and when you... um. You said that those speeches are really well received um, mm. in sort of people who, I guess, when people from the community are around. So yeah. like London by Pandas people, for example, who are awesome. Um, how have your speeches travelled like further than that? And what has their reaction been um, to that? So I did, um, as I'm sure some, a lot of you still remember, uh, the LGB Alliance. Mm. Um, when that started out, uh, we did quite a big protest for uh, called LGB with a T, and I did a massive speech there, which yeah, it's like I personally think it's my best work. I'm extremely proud of it, and it's basically about how we need to stick together. How mm. trans women started started the um, started queer rights. The first brick was thrown by a trans woman of color. Um, and that made, it was on Diva Mag, um, which okay. is quite a big lesbian magazine. It was, uh, it made the rounds on Twitter and people were destroying me. Like people hated me. I don't, I didn't mind. I honestly thought it quite funny because the picture of me was, I held a sign that Monroe made, uh, which said too cute to be cis. Mm-hmm. And people were very annoyed. They were like, <laughs> oh, this is cisphobic. You can't do that. <laughs> um, this is horrible. And like, just misgendering me and calling me tons of names. I didn't mm. know about it. One of my friends from the Netherlands ball places was like, hey, I saw you on Twitter. People are really shitting on you. Um, wow. Other than that, most of the speeches I do, and which I think is also a problem, is are in front of other queer people who already agree with me. So mm. choir, obviously, but that's not always the point. Point is also to inspire people. Um, I am speaking, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm speaking at Citizens Advice in two weeks. Okay. I'm giving a speech also on trans activism and activism in general. So we'll see how the reception there is going to be. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, they've been great, honestly, to me. Like, they were asking for my fee 
and I named like a quite cheap like 40 quid and they're like oh no we usually pay people way more let's pay you that and I'm like oh that's so good yes please yeah um yeah I am other than that I haven't heard much negativity surrounding it Mm -hmm. obviously it's always going to be critics but this is a pretty good community here in London yeah and how do you um so I know you said that that didn't it didn't bother you so much and hopefully I think quite often when we're doing activism people are like try not to read the comments anyway right because it can be pretty soul-destroying but um how do you with that in mind like how do you look after yourself and and I guess it's not just looking after yourself when there's negativity from people outside of um the queer community but like in terms of doing your activism and getting the energy for those big speeches that you're delivering how how do you prepare for those and make sure that you navigate or try and navigate burnout in some way Honestly, my speeches, I, I think it's just procrastinating. I feel like procrastinating as a form of self-care. <laughs> a good yeah. amount of speeches I have just like finished writing while we're setting up or on the train there. Uh-huh. A, a very good amount. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm getting paid for something, I will take a week or two weeks before I have to prepare and research. But if it's something for like my pandas or one of my groups, then... I'm just kind of going to wing it because Mm -hmm. these are very emotional topics and the approach that I go with speeches is just put emotions in and use good um, rhetorics. So use, yeah, just um, make it interesting, make it captivating, not make it too long. Um, So I don't worry too much about my speeches, which is, Mm -hmm. I guess, part self-care. And um, so I'm just taking a break. So I've... I'm doing um, the uh, London by Panda float for bar- for Pride. Uh, probably going to be doing stuff for Trans Pride this year too. Mm-hmm. I talk to people about that. So I've been taking a break for some of other groups. I've been taking a break from leftist organizing. So Antifa and that sort of group. I've been taking a break from that. I've been going to meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is allowing you to self to rest. Um, what other people do. So I know Monroe works a lot on activism what they try and do is just uh live the most comfortable life they can outside of the activism Mm. and then go very hard on the activism so try and sleep treat yourself to some food treat yourself to an uber back home but then also spend four hours a day on activism yeah i think i'm quite resilient in terms of how much work i can do and how much stuff i can take um so people always say i have quite a lot of energy which is seems to be correct I Mm. can manage to do quite a lot of stuff without burning out yeah so um we actually spoke to and people will know Monroe under their um Beisharam Beisharam. they changed their Um, name recently yeah because we we um interviewed Monroe or I interviewed Monroe last year for the zine Mm -hmm. um so if anyone's wondering um or wanting to find out more about Monroe then they can go and look in um zine two and they'll find out all about them there Monroe is a great and amazing person. Yeah, they really are. So we've talked a bit about self-care and it sounds as though you're getting this not only for yourself, self-care is really important, but you organise these amazing other events where mental health and self-care is a big part of those. So it'd be Mm -hmm. great to hear about those as well. I can also talk a bit about self-care at protests themselves. Yeah, please do. uh, For the LGBT with the T1, we had the Outside Project there. The Outside Project is an amazing group led by a few friends of mine here in London. They do a weekly sober meetup event, or was it monthly? Um, they provided accessibility and ramps, and they provided 
um, noise cancelling headphones in case mm-hmm. the noise and people got too much for someone. They could just have noise cancelling headphones and go and um, talk to one of our welfare officers. So mm-hmm. we had a bunch of welfare officers uh, walking around in Bivis vests. They're like Hivis vests, but they're purple and not That's yellow. That's so cool. <laughs> um, oh, so I was one of them. So people could just come up to me and be like, hey, I'm not feeling great. And we just go off to the side have I had water with me I had oranges that I was giving out um little easy feelers I love doing that everywhere <laughs> um and yeah waters are very important one especially in the coming months when it's getting hotter you just need to have water and be giving that out constantly mm. um and yeah so about the events I run so I helped run an event called misery which was started by the amazing amazing Aisha Mirza or um Aglina Hotway on Instagram. Um, it started out, I think them and a friend were like, oh, I wish I could go out to places more, but I feel like I don't fit in anywhere. And it's like, okay, let's make a space where we fit in then. Cause there's not a lot of queer POC spaces and there's especially no queer POC sober spaces. Mm-hmm. So what we focus on is obviously sober aspect, the POC thing, and then mental health is a big part. People always, people always love the parties. They always say they can, they just feel so comfortable there and like they can be their authentic selves because we don't pressure people to do anything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of other club nights, obviously the focus is on dancing. It's always also quite a big flirting thing, which can make some people feel uncomfortable. Obviously we have DJs, we have a dance floor, but we have so much other stuff. <clears throat> so the most amazing part, what I think is we have a therapist um, right on site, uh, a trained therapist. Uh, who's also queer and POC. And you can book a free uh, half-hour session with them to talk about whatever you like, to talk about whatever problems you might be having, mm-hmm. um, completely free of charge. Uh, I should also mention that the event is completely free of charge. It's um, completely based around donations. So if you want to, you have the money to give and help us run it, then amazing. But if you don't have the money, then you can just come anyways. Yeah. We have um, activities. So last time we had we were doing it at the Yard, at the Yard Theatre, if you know the venue. Yeah, it's a great venue. Yeah. Um, and we had an art corner. So we had a little thing of suggestions of stuff you can draw and like colouring. And we had a ton of zines around in a reading corner that you can do. We had um, a friend of ours do nails, mm-hmm. um, pay what you can nails. So it was a sliding scale from like two to ten pounds for getting your nails done, which is incredibly cheap. Yeah, that's we had tattoos, also sliding scale. Um we always serve food. So we usually have queer masala, which is a um, queer Indian group of people who make amazing food. Last time we had Healthy Filth, who are also a queer vegan group. Everything's vegan, obviously, mm-hmm. um, who cater food. Um, it's very affordable food compared to anything else you can get here in London. Um, we have chai every party we've had chai because you gotta have your tea I don't think there's any party that I've seen where people walk around with tea so that's that's our thing it sounds like um, a good party um obviously we hide all the alcohol uh the bar only serves non-alcoholic cocktails uh-huh. and um it's just you can do whatever you want there's no pressure to dance there's no pressure to socialize you can just sit there and draw and if that's all you wanted to do in that night then that's completely okay. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, everyone's there always so friendly to you. Like you can just go and sit down with 10 strangers and make 10 completely new awesome friends. 
It's incredible. And how does it feel to create that kind of space for people? It feels very rewarding. I feel like at this point, I enjoy creating spaces more than I actually enjoy going out. Mm. Um, I know Aisha um, loves after the party, all the messages we get on Instagram. It's like, oh, it was so amazing. Thank you so much for hosting it. And yeah, it's just their self-care. We're talking about self-care and organizing. That's their self-care going through all the messages we get being and replying to them and seeing how much people are loving it and just being able to just seeing on the night people enjoying themselves it's just amazing yeah. i always go around and talk to people hey how are you finding the party how is it how are you feeling it's just a very captivating feeling and a very rewarding thing to do mm. yeah it's revolutionary as well isn't it to create those spaces where you know, yeah. money is just used in a completely different way. So it's accessible to everyone. Mm. There's, yeah, all kinds of resources that people might need and the chance to build community with people that they may not have met before. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, especially the money part, because queer POC people, especially queer trans POC people, um, struggle a lot financially. So I think it's always important. And I think we as a queer and as a king and as a whatever else community can improve on that a lot although it's very good right now it's um a lot of parties have if you can't afford this please message us and Mm. you can come in anyways but that's not always the case stuff like uh, club verboten which is supposedly a queer space where it's like 30 pounds for a ticket people just can't afford that so with that in mind there may be and there will be lots of people potentially listening to this who won't be aware of their own privilege and the fact that um, mm. they're able to attend events, you know, atten- events that cost money, but also events that feel safe to them as, say, um, queer or straight passing cis people or, um, you know, white people who don't have those considerations to take in um, into account that a trans POC person may. Yeah. And I just wondered, you do a lot of um, educating around trans history and um, trans activism. And I just wondered if there's anything that you think those people would be, um, I guess, what, where would those people start? What would be useful for them in order to educate themselves around their own privilege and, and how they might support trans folks better? I think the best way to always learn is just to talk to your trans friends. If they have trans friends, then always to talk with them. Mm. Um, obviously, there's tons of articles online. There's, there's a lot of YouTubers online um, who talk about trans issues. Um, there's a Trans 101 series by... Let me look at the name. Um, yeah, there's a Trans 101 series on YouTube. It's a little, little um, seven-minute video that people can just watch into, to get basically into the world of transness. And I think Mm -hmm. an important, important part to remember is always listen to what trans people say. Mm -hmm. So I think that is the most important part. If trans people say, this feels like misgendering. So I think some, um, what what I've heard a lot is um, still like dude. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say, oh no, dude is gender neutral. I use it gender neutrally. But if a trans person tells you, hey, sorry, but this feels like misgendering to me, then it's something that you have to respect, that you yeah. have to be like, okay, this person feels uncomfortable with this, I need to stop doing that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's always important to listen to the actual marginalised people. Absolutely, and the same with guys as well, right? Like, people do use that and think it's a gender-neutral yeah. term, but yeah, it really isn't, and a lot of people find that a really uncomfortable term. Obviously, you can use it if people are comfortable, are comfortable with it, mm-hmm. but um, I at least always try to avoid gendered language because... It's quite an easy thing to do. 
Yeah. And well, while we're plugging our own groups, London by Pandas actually did a thing called 50 Ways to Leave Your Tafa. Oh, yeah. So for 50 days every day, well, not consistently, but we tried our best, <laughs> um, we posted one thing you can do to support the trans community in something that's actually achievable. So something like request sanitary bill, uh, bins in the male toilets. Mm. Um, or request that all toilets be made gender neutral and have sanitary um, bins in every toilet. Because yeah. <laughs> the, person, the example I'm specifically thinking of is um, Chio, Chio Gomez. Yeah. They're quite a prominent person. I remember them, I don't, I don't know if it was a post that they were telling me about it, but um, how they, were, they just begrudgingly took their tampon and threw it on the floor in the men's <laughs> toilet because there wasn't any sanitary bins. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Um, yes, don't give me a space to put my goddamn tampons. Yeah, what are you supposed to do with it? Yeah, I'm just checking all our posts. They, they, oh, they all look amazing. So definitely check it out. Um, just on the Instagram, London by Pandas. Uh-huh. Um, all the uh, stuff is there. Um, just simple stuff like adding pronouns to your email mm. signature. Um, trying to support trans, like educating yourself and. If you hear something, someone say something that could be transphobic, um, even if there's no other trans person around, educate those people. Say, hey, no, that's not okay. You shouldn't yeah. say that. Because we are a very, very tiny portion of the population. Um, we don't have accurate numbers because it's very hard to get numbers like that, but it's probably not more than 1% to 2% of the population is trans. Mm. So we can't always be there. We don't always have the energy to correct and educate people because we have to do it constantly. Yep. So um, do something like Citizens Advice. Book a trans activist to come and speak at your event. Pay them well. Respect them. Respect their opinions. Um, flood your Facebook feeds with stories about trans people, with what are actually happening to us. Speak up about misgendering, even when that person is not there incorporate more gender neutral language so use they if you don't know someone's pronouns mm-hmm. ask someone's pronouns with their names i think that's always a good place to start like Absolutely. gender neutral stuff it's quite easy yeah and it takes a little bit of getting used to maybe if people haven't yeah, come across it before course. but once you get the hang of it it's much you know it's it's not that difficult <laughs> and it's yeah. such a, a small adjustment that people can make in order to make trans people feel um accepted and understood mm, especially with non-binary people like mm. even um, we don't do this perfectly out of the queer community like non-binary people get misgendered a lot mm-hmm. even in supposedly our community where it's supposed to not happen obviously misgendering is going to happen like we can't completely eliminate that and while one misgendering never what i see a lot happen is people making it about themselves if you mess up someone's pronouns mm-hmm. and making it a big deal um so if i misgender someone so if i'm like oh is she then i just stop correct myself oh they and then continue on with my sentence. Mm. Don't bring it up later. It just it's just something that happens. Don't have to, um, it's not something that needs to have a big spiel made on about it. Yeah. Yeah, quite often people feel the need to kind of, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I know that you use that pronoun yeah. and I used the wrong one. Yeah. I feel, yeah, no, I just, it, most of it just feels very awkward there. I mean, mm. that's the whole thing with right-wing people. It's like, did you just assume my gender? But I don't think I've ever actually heard a single trans person say that. Mm. trans people do not get mad when you misgender them trans people just are scared to correct anyone i've never seen anyone scream or shout when they get misgendered because we're just a lot of us are quite shy so that's why i try to always step up and 
I don't I don't think I do it aggressively, but I'm always like they mm-hmm. <laughs> when yeah. um because a lot of people for a lot of people it's hard to stand up to their own misgendering because we're social um with how we're socialized with how we're treated in life it can be quite scary yeah absolutely yeah and so you mentioned earlier on about um I guess that you first got involved was it um when you said about LGSM that you were first kind of giving a talk through them um yeah it was Bipanus and LGSM okay with Bipanus yeah. as well cool um and so I wondered what the um experience of being an Iraqi refugee and having parents who are refugees as well um and now also living in London how how does that kind of play a part in your your journey um well to make things obviously a bit difficult now with Brexit coming up to you mm. um but I don't think it defines me that much. Um, obviously, I think it's not the refugee part that defines me. It's mm. more my history and my culture, obviously being a Muslim. Or, I, don't know. I don't know if I'd call myself a Muslim, maybe an ex-Muslim. Religion is a bit complicated. Obviously, coming from a Muslim, yeah, coming from a Muslim background, mm. um, that's quite a huge unique perspective especially growing up trans and I transitioned in my teenage years with quite unsupportive parents which taught me quite a bit um and I think that really defined me as a person so my Muslim background and the trans thing more Mm -hmm. so than the refugee part so learning how to fend for myself learning the fact that doctors often not very aren't always the smartest people and don't always know the most about your issues um and learning how to navigate the world at a very young age without any support, uh, I think that's what really defined me. Um, mm. And obviously now I can speak about these issues and I can educate people on them because um, we're doing, queer Muslims aren't the most well-representative group. So we've got Muslim Pride this year, actually which is going to be very amazing. Oh, cool. Where's that? In London? Yeah, in London. Oh, uh, this is the first uh, Muslim Pride that's going to be happening this year. Cool. Um, Black Pride is obviously also very Muslim because it's very POC. It's very brown. Yeah. Um, Black Pride, by the way, is generally POC Pride. I just call it Black Pride. I think it just sounds better than POC Pride. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's made me the person I am now, especially uh, in terms of maturing a lot quicker. So people always assume I'm about seven years older than I actually am Mm. um which is always quite funny to see the look on their faces and (laughs) um uh, and the reason I'm even in England is was just to escape my parents actually um so that's the only reason I'm here I didn't choose to come here like but yeah I like the I like London but to be fair it's not the best country to be trans or POC or refugee in yeah um, but I still love, I love London. I'm very glad that I moved here. I'm very glad that I found such a supportive community here. Yeah. And so that, that literally only happened four months ago that you yes. moved to London. So four, it's all very... Yeah, four or five. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. Time's very complicated. But yeah, I only started out in the scene about four months ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so what next? It sounds like you're already doing so much and you're so busy with, um, you know, giving talks and also workshops and organizing spaces for other people. Where do you go now? Are you going to carry on with this or like more, what, more, what else? <laughs> so I don't actually have my own. I haven't actually run my own own part yet. I'm in collectives. I help run them. I work at a lot of places, but um, 
So what's next? I've got two projects in the works right now that are one of them completely my own, the other is more of a collective um, objective. One's called Transfusion. So um, that is, I don't want to slack off the parties we have right now because obviously they're not my friends. I love them. Um, but we don't have, uh, I think, good trans club night. Mm-hmm. So there's Them Fatale, which is run by the amazing, amazing Louis G. Barton, which you should definitely get on here. Um, okay, great. They also run Inferno, um, which is, has been running for uh, five years now. Um, they're a trans icon. Like, they're an artist, DJ. Inferno's a, one of the best queer nights here in London. It's just a space where you can be completely yourself and see some awesome performances and listen to some amazing techno. Um, them Fatale, the problem is with it, it's a great party. I love all the people there and I love going there, but it's in a club called Delta Superstore, which okay. is um, a high street, a main street, and right on Dalton on the main street, a club. And obviously, it's always going to be cis people, a lot of cis people, a lot of cis mm-hmm. people coming there. Or not even cis hat, just like cis people in general coming there, which can make for quite an uncomfortable atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do is make a space which is just completely trans-focused. So um, not completely bastards people from it, but make it a space from trans people for trans people with majority trans people. So basically, I want a misery, but for trans people instead of for POC people. POC people. POC. Um, I know another group. um, So they're The Right Lube on Instagram. They've been running a bi-weekly... A bi-monthly um, trans social and they're also planning um, a trans party right now, a smaller one. Um, and that's really awesome. Uh, and I do love the space that we have right now. It's like parties like Pussy Palace, Inferno, um, Crossbreed, all the stuff like that. But as a trans woman of color, especially the trans part, I still feel quite othered there. Mm. Um, like any time I go usually, it's majority of people that are cis. It's not uncommon that I'm the only or one of like a handful of trans women who are there. And it's just quite isolating and othering. It just feels like, hey, you're still different from these people. And obviously yeah. being trans, being non-binary, I am different. I'm not, I'm not a cis woman. I'm not ever going to be. I don't want to be. But it still feels uncomfortable. Being neurodivergent too makes the whole thing more complicated. And the other project that I'm working on is, so there's this party I work at um, called Crossbreed. It's, it's like a queer kink rave. Okay. And what we're planning now is um, that, but basically just for trans people, for queer people, for femme people. So basically anyone who's, anyone on the trans spectrum, anywhere, I don't know if anyways, um, a woman mm-hmm. would be welcome there because all I want to do is, uh, create the spaces that don't exist yet. I don't like saying stuff like, oh, the first XXX, mm-hmm. Travis Alabanza, actually. Probably people know Travis. Travis yeah. Alabanza, very popular, very amazing person to be around and work yeah, with. Yeah, they're amazing. They um, released an article recently about uh, why does every achievement have to be a first to matter? Mm. Um, it was on Metro Lifestyle. You can Google it and find it. Yeah, it's I a think great I shared article. it on my page, actually. It's a great article. Yeah, it's a great Share article. Share it again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I generally agree with that. So I don't want to be the first to do it. I just, I just came here and noticed, Hey, this is lacking. 
mm-hmm. I want to fill the gap with my work, with something that I can contribute with or something I can achieve. Um, obviously, running parties is difficult and expensive and draining, but it's doing a service to the community. So I think, and someone is going to have to do it. Have you ever <laughs> tried? Oh my God. Um, okay, I don't want to slack off my friends, but trying to hire people to do work can be quite difficult, especially if it's a new party and nothing has been started on yet. Mm-hmm. It's quite easy to tell people to do one specific thing, like, okay, hey, do social media. People can do that. Yeah. But if it's about creative processes and figuring stuff out, it's a lot more difficult, especially when you can't meet physically a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm working on those two things. That's going to be um, mid of this year, probably. Okay. Um, trans- one of them has an Instagram transfusion party. There's nothing on it yet. Um, I- Everyone I- should go and follow it. Yeah, I got to get to design a logo and do a little post about what it is. Um, I'll maybe try and do that today or tomorrow. Um, and yeah, that's my passion projects right now. There's yeah. obviously other activism stuff that's happening right now. So on the 8th of March, there's the Women's March. Also partly sex worker thing. There's one of my friends helps run it soon. Actually, no, they don't like being in the spotlight. I'm not going to mention the name. Um, they are running um, Night Pride, mm-hmm. which is um, basically uh, a pride is a protest. Um uh, a part of a protest kind of thing there. They did one last week in Dalton where we marched down and had speeches and then went dancing in VFD. Um, we're going to do one in Vauxhall too. Okay. And then in Soho. Mm-hmm. Um, basically just bring back the spirit of Pride as a protest. Um, because I'm in, at the moment it's quite commercialized. Yeah, um, <laughs> quite. <laughs> quite. Actually, I've um, actually missed the city hall meeting regarding Pride because I overslept. But um, <laughs> I, what I heard is that they are trying to make it less um, commercialized mm. this year. So hopefully that'll come into fruition. Yeah, that would be amazing. And sex, well, it's going to be sex worker Pride, it's going to be trans Pride, it's going to be Black Pride, Muslim Pride. All those um, are obviously going to be activism based and run by queer people yeah and hearing that i mean again i know i've said it before but you've been here for four months and you've built such a community already Mm. what has that meant to you kind of finding that community here Uh, it's just been okay so um not gonna delve too deep into it but uh, i was living with my abusive ex when i first moved here Mm. i remember being at a rave and um, it was just like well, someone in the Bipanus group chat was like oh is anyone else going to this rave I was like yeah I am and they saw me there I was like oh are you from Bipanus yeah and we started talking they also happened to be German and I don't know how we got talking to her but they found out about my living situation they were like okay you're not you're not going home tonight you're crashing on my couch actually they crashed on their couch they gave me that bed wow. um, Maria you're probably going to listen to this um, and they I would not be here right now without them. Like they then helped me find a squat. So I was squatting for a while. Uh, They helped me find a place to live and then paid my first month's rent and deposit because I was a a sex worker at the time and working was quite hard because I was squatting and or living in a shitty home. So working was quite difficult. Um, I wasn't doing full service. I was doing online stuff, but it was still quite difficult to work from there. So I wasn't making a lot of money. 
Mm. They paid my deposit. They paid my first month's rent. Um, and they they didn't even know me. Like, they just met me at a random rave and were like, okay, I'm helping you now. And it's like, that sense of community here is just so, so amazing. We, everyone wants to help each other. Um, everyone wants to be there for each other. Everyone is there for each other. If someone's mm. like, hey, I've gotten kicked out. Could I have a plastic place to crash? I can guarantee that if they have the queer community on like Facebook or whatever, people are going to respond and be like, yes, here, come here, have my couch, have my bed, have all my food. <laughs> um, and other, the other amazing people like Monroe who um, helped me get into this whole scene, helped me get into activism. Aisha who allowed me to work on amazing, amazing things. All the people all my friends here who are incredibly supportive and put up with all my shit and put up <laughs> with all my invites to the 10,000 parties and all the activism <laughs> stuff and protest. Um, all these amazing people that are here in London. Um, people like, people like Trio, people like Travis, people, oh God, I get, you yeah, know, icons mm. who are, supporting the idea of you can be whoever the fuck you want to be it's your right to choose the amazing drag community here it's we've just so so many amazing communities here in the queer scene um and i know people don't like the word queer scene sometimes but um i generally think we are one of the best cities we're not perfect we don't have uh we're lacking in a few aspects obviously but we still are such an amazing city to be queer in. And mm. I'd say the best city because we are the largest queer-friendly city. Any city that New York is smaller than London and all the other cities are um, outside of Western Europe, so not safe. Yeah. So It's, it's yeah. so funny to think, isn't it, that yeah, queer community in and around London feels so, so special and it's hard to imagine that that doesn't exist in other places as much I, I know it's it's obvious that it doesn't exist everywhere but um it's such a shame that that isn't a thing that everyone can access yep i used to live in love i when i first moved to england a year ago i lived in loughborough oh okay my best friend so he was going to help me get out of my parents place and we're living together then and yeah there was no quick community like it was just nothing happening mm. and it was just quite depressing because there was just nothing to do because there's a small midlands town not even the towns near Nottingham. The fact I'm friends with the entire Nottingham queer organization community because it's one person. <laughs> uh, Aja, oh Aja, if you're listening to this, <laughs> queer noise, queer noise club in Nottingham. It's the good. It's the it's the only. It's the best queer <laughs> night in Nottingham. Um, yeah, I know. Talking to them, it's quite difficult for them hosting it because venues are very hesitant to do something like that because obviously they're going to make less money because less people are going to come and mm. queer people are poorer. Um, yeah, so even larger cities like Nottingham, like Birmingham, struggle. And there's a lot of arguments about this, but yeah, either London or Berlin are absolutely the best cities mm. for queer stuff, at least from what I know. I haven't been to New York personally. I hear it's quite nice. Um... But, you know, America, not the most ideal place. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and 
so it sounds like you have a lot going on as it yeah. is um are you planning to stay in london for the future like for the time being do you think or do you have any plans to go to any of those other communities um i know some of the people some people here considering moving some out of the country some to manchester i hear manchester is quite a nice community i am definitely staying in london hmm. um well if i'm staying in england i'm staying in london let's see yeah. if i can actually get pre-settled status um uh if not um berlin is another city because i'm german i'm a native german speaker so mm-hmm. it uh it's if i'm not if i'm not going to be in london you'll find me in berlin um obviously berlin is a very similar vibe to london with the alternative scene yeah but just less sleep <laughs> <laughs> what's licensing loss <laughs> yeah yeah, I used to live in Germany for a short while and yeah, mm. that old like idea of going out super late, I just could not get used to. <laughs> I, I could not get used to stores closing so early. Oh yeah. Like clothing stores closing at 5pm was insane to me. Yeah, it's strange, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So when I um, speak to guests before the podcast, I always ask if there's anything that they're really enjoying at the moment that they'd like to share and it can be absolutely anything. I just wondered if there's anything you'd like to share. Um, yeah, so... Um, some amazing entertainment I've been consuming. That's a very <laughs> weird way to say that. Um, <laughs> it's quite an old book, but if you enjoy YA fantasy, uh, Rick Riordan, the author of the Percy, Jack- Percy Jackson books, he's still doing books. Um, his Magnus okay. Chase series features a gender fluid character, and it's the most. They definitely got a trans person in to help write it. Like really? I, I, I can pretty much guarantee it's like the best. Um, trans representation I've seen in basically any piece of media um but pretty much yeah basically any piece of media they're gender fluid child of Loki um very much like a fuck off I'm trans I'm gender fluid research it yourself kind of person which yeah. I think we all know uh, which I love so it's a great book series um quite an easy relaxing read if you have time on the tube um uh, events in London that I've been enjoying. Um, I do Ba Whatever. It's every mm-hmm. Tuesday at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Every Tuesday, performances start at 8 uh, 8.30. Um, it's a weekly drag performance night, and um, I, do, I will do tech for them often. Um, we get amazing people there. We have Shakona Fire, who's a resident oh, performer. Cool. Travis is a resident performer. Chio performs quite a lot. Travis made their start. Their first drag performance was in Bar Whatever. Oh, really? It's, I didn't know that. Were, yeah. Um, they hosted a night um, uh, two weeks ago. And don't tell about new management, but we were, two, we were like 50 to 60 people over capacity. <laughs> it was packed. Yeah, I'm not I, was talking, I was talking to Travis beforehand and they were like, oh, but what if no one's going to come? And I'm like, oh my goodness, babe, of course they will. You know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a trio was performing too, Priscilla was performing. So yeah, there was a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's every Tuesday, so it's very easy to get to in Vauxhall. It's uh-huh. amazing. It's amazing support space. Plus, the people who run the Ingo went by Sander, they're great people. Um, yeah, so I definitely check it out if you have the time on a Tuesday great. night after work. Yeah, and I'll share those links um, in the show notes so people yeah. can find them. Um, and just the name of that book again. I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Uh, Magnus Chase and Magnus the Gods Chase. of Axgard. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Thank you. It sounds like a good one. 
Um, Generally, just all of Rick Riordan's books are great. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read any, so I need to check them out. It's like, um, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Um, yeah, that's quite. Um, that's quite good representation of them. So it's very good, strong female representation. It's very good gay and lesbian, general LGBT representation, uh, and also the earlier books. People got very mad about it because, like, you can't show that to our children. And Rick Riordan <laughs> was like. Yes, I can. Fuck you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I can't believe I've never read them before. They sound great. Yeah, they're great. Um, and I was just going to say, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we come to a close? Um, donate to trans people's fundraisers. Pay your sex workers. Uh, pay, pay all your queer people fairly. Um, give as much as you can. So now that I'm in a better position... Um, I'm quite um, of passing it on. So what Maria did to me, I'm not trying to do to other people, helping other struggling queer people who are maybe in a bad living situation with sex workers, financially, emotionally, I think is a better use of my money, at least, than using it on whatever other useless shit I'd use it on. <laughs> um, so yeah, help donate to causes like Up Black by Pandas, donate to individual fundraisers for surgeries. Surgeries are very expensive. Hormones are very expensive. Mm. Um, and just support your local queer community. You don't have to donate. Attend drag shows made by actual queer and trans people. If you, have, if you have money for a Netflix subscription to watch RuPaul, you have money to, you have money to support your local drag community. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> support your local events. Um, buy a drink there. <laughs> well, buy one drink. <laughs> higher fees are lower if we make if the mon- if the bar makes more money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that Speaking sounds like great classes. advice. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Queers and Co. I hope you enjoyed listening to Hannah. I love chatting to her and it was really great to hear more about the different events that are around in London because I thought that I knew about quite a lot of them. Um, but that was it's brilliant to find out about more. And also um, maybe it's given you some ideas of events that you might like to run or ways in which you might like to run future events because there were lots of ideas in there. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to Hannah it'll be really nice if you want to pop along to her Instagram page which you'll find in the show notes and just let her know that you've enjoyed it it's really a cool way to show guests that you appreciate their time because obviously they're giving up their time to come and chat to me and talking of giving up things I will no longer be telling you who is coming up next at the end of the podcast because I just keep getting it wrong so I'm just going to leave it as a surprise and you can find out next time Uh, yeah that's everything thank you see you next week bye